the string quartet is probably, you know, very much associated with the classical and romantic era, and it's very hard to kind of break out of that mold, you know. And sonata form was the the structure of rigueur, and you have to kind of think about how to make essentially 18th century, 19th century genre relevant for today. consider myself a humanist, you know, more like an anthropologist, you know, by nature as far as trying to depict our collective feelings and put it into music. And what I found is I'm trying to reflect all the multitasking, multi-layered, multi-experiential lives that we lead. We don't just have a neat little you know container for one theme and then for the next theme and then it goes back to you know the first theme it's very much a chaotic well especially because i'm a parent a chaotic life that we lead and we're like t constantly distracted by these this news that's coming in or you know that we're doing three things at once or you know that um we have these contradictory sort of feelings that we have you know on the one hand, there's COVID, but then on the other hand, we get to t spend more time with each other, you know, and as a family, you know, and, and all these things. So I found that, you know, this idea of not being tied to one specific theme or one specific idea, but the idea of constantly transitioning to really be something that speaks to me and I think hopefully speaks to other people as far as how to capture that sort of life that we lead today.
Hello, welcome to Relevant Tones. My name is Matthew. I'll be your host for this episode, and I am joined today by the composer Vivian Fung. Vivian, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for agreeing to be on the program. It's a real pleasure to have you here and to highlight some new things that are coming from you and especially something that I'm always excited about is a new string quartet being brought into the world as a cellist myself, one of my favorite things. So um, I'd I'd love to start there for those who might not know. um, Upcoming premiere of string quartet number five by Vivian Fung. And let's see, what's the title? Spiraling. That's the title. Yes, that will be premiered by the Lafayette String Quartet. And that's at the University of Victoria on February 11th. So if you're in the Seattle area, if you're in Vancouver, check it out. Please go. It'll be fun. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the piece, how it came about? So um, this was a project that I was the uh, one of the violinists of the quartet uh, just emailed me saying that it's going to be their final, that they're going to say goodbye to each other expanding after uh, a long time of, of performing together and they wanted to commission new works as a uh, a way of you know going out with a bang and so they approached me about it knowing um, that I had written uh, string quartets prior and they had been fans of mine because of the fourth string quartet in particular this was supposed to be premiered during COVID times and it was delayed un- until now it's been a, a little while coming. So the fifth quartet is along the lines of my previous uh, quartets, uh, my previous number three, number four, uh, in the sense that it's all one movement and it's all sort of interconnected. And along the lines of my fourth quartet, it's sort of like one idea morphing into another. And so mm-hmm. th- that idea of spiraling came into mind for me as far as... Um, all the, you know, the emotions that are caught, you know, during this time of despair, but also hope, and then kind of everything just kind of morphing like a, like a screensaver. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, your, your third and fourth quartets are very, they're, they're in that kind of, there are ideas and there are, I wouldn't say like strict sections, but it's, you can see that there are ideas and they're moving and they're, are kind of you're you're morphing them, and I really like what you did in the third quartet. I remember mm. listening to it, and I got so just towards the last couple of minutes, and I was all of a sudden in a different place. It was mm. a wonderful effect. What was it like transitioning from writing from kind of that traditional form? Your first quartet is in that four movements. Your second quartet is very brief, mm. and then you you kind of seem to have found a. I wouldn't say a formula, but a style that you seem to enjoy with your kind of a an idea that you seem to have for how a, a string quartet is structured. Is creativity is such that you're 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 kind of trying to do something with what you're given, right? So so I'm trying to create something that is personal, that is speaking to the times in a way that uh, is new to to me and 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 uh, trying to say something that is different yeah and on that note of personal and bringing bringing yourself into into the composition you have this grounding in and, and you've, you've talked about it in the past you have this very 
kind of traditional Western background, and you, you grew up in Edmonton, and your parents are Chinese, and you have gone to Cambodia and rediscovered some of your family uh, history, and you've been to Indonesia, I believe, and, and studied gamelan, and found these other aspects of other music cultures to draw on. And it's it's not uncommon for people, of course, to mix a lot of these things. But for you, uh, bringing that personal aspect in, and there are other pieces you've, you've done it with, um, what's it like to incorporate things like that and, and bring that aspect into it and, and explore that? Well, as I said, it goes back to what I was saying before as far as the role I think I play, um, not only as a composer, but as a as a humanist, as an anthropologist. So really what I'm trying to do is understand me and my family and the world that I live in. So um, I guess my music journey is all about that. And so um, I can actually safely say that I have an early period now. I don't have a late period yet, uh, but I do have- Middle period. We're still in the middle period. We're still in the middle period. But I do have an early period, and I say that um, very uh, with a lot of love because um, I think my early period was really coming out of my studies, you know, and being really as uh, the question that you asked as far as, you know, what, how do you differentiate with a very Western canon? And I asked myself that question coming out of school. So I was newly graduated from a conservatory and all this training. So what do I do with that? It just, it's not necessarily mine. It's not necessarily not mine, but what do I do with that? And so I joined a gamelan because in New York when I was still living there, because it was a way for me to get out of that box, you know, that box of that music has to be this way, you know? Um, and so I joined a gamelan and it's, it's, probably the one of the most important things for me to do at that time because it just opened my ears and my eyes to a different way of experiencing music something that is largely not notated um taught not you know in a, in a single lesson or whatever but taught over a period of months you know a piece is you know and um then, you know, I went to Bali three times and um, it was really a life changing thing because it really reconnected me to arts being something that was spiritual, you know, instead of just being, it's not just the notes on the page, right? It's something that connects people, you know, it's a, it's a means for connecting and whether it's connecting between people or connecting to a higher power. And I'm not... You know, I'm a lapsed Catholic, so I don't have a sort of a religious uh, affiliation, so to speak, but I do believe in a higher power because experiencing that directly when I get into the flow of, of creating, uh, I really feel like there is a higher power that is guiding me through this.
as musicians, as uh, as performers, as composers, you, you're trying to get ideas out there, and no one's gonna have the same experience, but it's to have an experience and to to put the self in the performance and and see something happen. Um, kind of on that note, and a little bit about the the gamelan, I was listening to the uh, scenes that you have written that have already been premiered for the opera, and I I couldn't help noticing as soon as I I played the first scene, I I couldn't help but notice how similar some of those sounds and and rhythms and timbres are to the gamelan orchestra and what's that opera shaping up to be what's it what's it going towards it's it seems really interesting yeah thank you for bringing that up so this is a project that i started um and it was commissioned these the opera scenes that you're referring to um they're for soprano and solo percussion and i think the gamelan reference is because i'm trying to evoke something that is otherworldly um, and, and not so Western. And the, the solo percussion uses, um, you know, wooden slats and glass bowls and um, pin bowls and things like that. So homemade instruments to yeah. evoke a sort of gamelan um, without being gamelan. So, uh, you know, there are all these sort of, um, you know, subtle cultural references there, but um, so this project, I am, it's, is in the works. So we are gearing up for um, additional scenes. So my librettist and I, uh, uh, my librettist is Royce Fabric. We're going to be traveling to Cambodia this coming November or December. It's basically an opera about my family. So my family, as you had mentioned, um, of Chinese, um, you know, we're ethnically Chinese, Cantonese. But um, my uh, parents and my extended family, um, they grew up in Vietnam. And then my aunts and uncles and grandmother, they, um, they set up shop in Phnom Penh in, in, in Cambodia. And at that time, you know, it was quite common um, to have overseas Chinese in, in a lot of different countries. And maybe my sort of affinity for Gamelan is also because of my trying to understand where my my family connections are they're not solely just um, in China but there there's that diaspora in, in Southeast Asia and so I've been um, starting to collect oral history from my family about that time you know and um, you know I found actually I went back to my parents house in Edmonton in the same house that I grew up in and I found old photos of my parents growing up in Vietnam and and Cambodia, and so I'm. I'm starting to archive all of this. What this opera is about? It's it's really about the trauma of surviving, um, going through, uh, escaping the Khmer Rouge. So my extent, the year I was born, which is 1975, was the year that my extended family lived in Phnom Penh, and they just left um, because of the Khmer Rouge storming into the capital, and then. You know, having everybody to go out into the countryside. So for forty days, when I was born, my mom didn't know where my all my relatives were, and um, I'm trying to piece everything together. And that really shapes shaped my childhood very much, unbeknownst to me until now. You know, you look back and say, "Oh, this is this is why things are the way they are. They're not." normal for an average kid but you know this is what i experienced and i want to understand um how that came to be so 
this opera, uh, we're gathering, you know, our history, and then Orice and I are going to be in Cambodia, and then, you know, slowly shaping a, a story for that. And we're going to be workshopping um, additional scenes in 
stepping forward to, I think, the, the next thing, you have an upco- uh, upcoming now, the Jasper Quartet is recording cycle of the your first through fourth string quartets, and that's coming out, I don't think there's been an exact date, but the late 2023, um, right. so later this year sometime, everyone should just keep an eye out for it. Is this the first time that someone's done a full cycle, or full in the sense of everything that's that's out there and has already been premiered, of course, because you're still composing. There will be more things in your future. Like we said, this is only your middle period. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been a collaborative process? Are there edits being made? Are there things happening there? Or is it a little more laissez-faire? Jasper has actually approached me about recording my quartets. And uh, I knew um, some of the players from beforehand. We had met a few years ago at a chamber music festival. But they approached me about recording the quartets, and I was really excited. I mean, I've had a por- portrait album before, and th- that was my first collaboration with um, Metropolis Ensemble, and the, you know, which led to the Juno with the violin concerto and all that. Mm-hmm. But this is so it's been it's been um, good ten years, and so this is I think it's about time that we release another portrait album. It's great because Jasper Quartets are, are also a very talented group of players, and they've been performing my quartets uh, for the past year or so, just to get ready, um, year or even two, I think, just to get ready for the recording session. So we recorded it this past uh, fall, uh, and it's going to be released on the Sano Luminous label. It was a great process because shortly before the recording session, they had a concert of all the string quartets all together so that they could oh, wow. remember that. And then I traveled to to the recording studio so so that I could be part of it. And so uh, we worked together and, you know, fine-tuning things, maybe tweaking some things um, to, to make it so that it, it really showcased the work and also their playing. And then we're going to be doing some other things together as well. So in addition to the CD release, we're planning a, a song cycle with the Nick Pon, that's in the works. Sure, and for the song cycle, what all is going to be involved with that then? If that so, um, this project was um, something that developed because uh, Nick it works a lot with the Jasper Quartet. He has a residency um, coming up at um, the Kaufman Center in New York, and so he wanted to showcase our work together. Um, so this is going to be a new work that it is centered around a poem by the actually a Twin Cities poet, Claire Walmingham. She has written a beautiful poem um, regarding the effects of climate change on our next generation. It's entitled O, so it's all the words uh, starting with O, and it's very sensual, it's very, very grand. And also kind of sad at the same time. So there's a tinge of sadness going on about loss, you know. So we decided that it would be a great idea because we're working with the Kaufman Center to have a a half evening where we're using Claire's poem as the center of our song cycle. But then inviting, so the Kaufman Center also has a school, uh, a a few schools, that they work with, you know, as an outreach, education outreach. 
So we're going to be working with some talented um, high school students, and they will be composing poems around the same sort of idea of the effects of the environment on the next generation. And I'll be choosing maybe four poems to complement the central poem, and we're going to be crafting an evening out of that. Um, so it's it, I call it tentatively Songs for the Next Generation because it is about, you know, collaborative effort. Uh, not only, you know, a poet around, uh, a really great poet, but also from the, from the horse's mouth. And then we're going to be interweaving that with some sound collage with the rest of the poems that were not part of the sound cycle. That's really, really interesting. And the, I, you, you do seem to always incorporate these really important topics, these very uh, large topics, uh, the pandemic, our feelings during the pandemic, uh, climate change, things like that. How do you see it? I mean, it, we, we've talked a little bit about you know, the artistic side of things, but just does it ever get hard to, to be <laughs> incorporating that into your, your work so much? I mean, just, just, as, just from a, you're sitting down all day and <laughs> writing these things and thinking about that so much. Well, I think, you know, that's what I do. That's part of my process. And, I, you know, I have fun, fun, fun songs too, you know, and I have... Of, of course, yeah. Too. It's not all heavy. <laughs> uh, so there are, are uh, moments of, of, of humor and there are many projects that, that have that humorous um, side to it. But, you know, I think as an artist, I think there is that component of giving voice to something that is unspoken right so so you know emotions feelings or you know experiences that uh someone who is not trained in right or, or no notating or, or or crafting something together may not be able to do something so it's my job to to bring that all together and hopefully my work is reflecting what we are we're experiencing today. Thank you. 
thank you so much for, for the conversation and your time. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. And is, is there anything you would like to say to? Oh, thank you, Matthew, for, for, the, for the chance to speak and um, relevant tones. Absolutely. And let's see, where's the best place for people to purchase your, your music or things like that? What's the best place for them to find that? Through my website, which is vivianfang.net or vivian.fang.ca, just go to my website, and there should be a, there's a lot of things to click on there, um, and then they can people can contact me through that, or or will go directly to purchase score through the website. Wonderful, and everybody keep an eye out for uh, upcoming albums, upcoming premieres. There's a lot of information on that website. It's a lot of fun reading it, so everyone go visit it. Thank you so much, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org. We also have a Patreon that you can contribute to at two different levels, 5 or $10, if you enjoy what you're listening to. Find out more at patreon.com slash relevant tones.